Good morning, good morning. Glad to see y'all, excited to jump into the Word of God this morning. Um, before we do all of that, first uh, to follow up on the Afghanistan, Haiti, and just general um, being a church who supports and is doing the best we can to be present in times of crisis, uh, a couple things. Number one, uh, we are actively involved with both people on the ground and in these places and also uh, organizations here, especially re refugee resettlement organizations. Uh, and so we're in discussions with them trying to figure out the best way for us to move forward, the things we might need to get, uh, particularly long-term work to help families resettle. I remember uh, when I lived in North Carolina, we did work like this in general with refugees, and we would build these relationships over time and be able to share the gospel and the love of Jesus. And so this is what we are hopefully after, to both provide immediate needs, but also be a bridge uh, to help navigate life in America, and most importantly, uh, to know Jesus. And so just as an FYI on that, uh, as soon as we get clarity on exactly what needs to be done from us, we will communicate that with you, and we can be able to move forward practically in that way. The second thing, and the most important thing you need to be doing is praying, like we said, pray, pray. Uh, with in mind being like its own fam your own family, pray and ask for the Lord's strength, deliverance, that God would be glorified, that his people would be strengthened, that the weak and the vulnerable would be defended. Uh, and ultimately also the last thing, so pray. Uh, the next thing is give. And so you can pray, you can give, and you can give particularly to this. So if you want to write a check or go online and just in the memo put crisis fund, okay, that's all you need to do. You can do this online or you can do this physically with a check. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond your normal giving for the month, we would love for you to do that this week. So if you feel led by the Lord, all of those proceeds go directly to this work, uh, both in Haiti and Afghanistan, both on the ground there through partners and here locally as we raise funds to help people resettle. So if something you can do, you're like, what can I do now? I can pray. Uh, you can give immediately today and all of those 100%, not going to go to help anything with the church operate directly all the way out to those things. So you can give that way, crisis fund in the memo online or in person. Uh, and and finally, you can train, or rather, better yet, be trained. Uh, we're going to be working with some people on how to explain the gospel in the way of Jesus, particularly to those of Muslim backgrounds or those that might be resettling here, uh, how to help navigate that kind of trauma and the things that are happening, how to help be the hands and feet of Jesus. So if we want to do well at this, uh, we need not only to understand how the gospel speaks into it, but we need to understand um, what people need when things like this happen to them. How can we be a blessing to them? And so uh, we're working with some local on training on that, and so that'll be available soon. So just as an FYI on ways City Light is being involved, and hopefully this week we'll continue to get more clarity on exactly what you can do. Uh, Yesterday, we had our back-to-school bash, and so that was awesome. Thank you guys for making donations, for being present, serving our community. It's awesome to see uh, the impact that we're being able to have on our community. Yesterday, the event was scheduled from 1 to 4, uh, and within 30 minutes, we ran out of everything. Everything, everything, it was gone. It's like it just vanished. <laughs> uh, and so there was uh, hundreds of people here. And so yesterday we served 150 children, not to mention their family members and friends. Then also we had 170 that are on a wait list for today. And so since we ran out of everything today, uh, we went back, we bought some extra supplies. They're coming back today at 5 o'clock at the C.Lu service to be able to not only get the bags but to hear the gospel. And so we're going to have a gospel presentation. So just be praying for that. 
uh, as a time for us to continue to meet the needs of our community. Uh, and so I just wanted to say thank you for your involvement. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. We came here, as we said, to be a community center church, to be light in the darkness, to, to help both the body and the soul. This is very important. This is Jesus' ministry. He cared about body and soul needs. So we want to do that, and we want to be about that. And it's awesome to see over the last year and a half some connections be built, some trust be built in our community, uh, and so that hundreds and hundreds are able to come and get some support in this time. And so just thank you for being a part of that. Uh, and just a, a little short thing, next year just buy three times as much as you bought this year, okay? Just whatever your donations were, just remember, save their money and then reflect, okay, next year. And this is really our fault. I was looking at our staff like, this is really on us because last Easter, y'all remember we were in this Easter egg hunt and we, we didn't have nearly enough eggs and all the eggs went out in like two seconds and all the kids were sad instead of happy because most of the kids didn't get eggs, you know, only the strong survived. That was true in this moment that the strongest and the fastest got all the eggs. All right, so we should have learned like whatever we think we need just multiply it by three, four, five. Uh, and so we'll do better next time. Um, but just so you know, we've been able to bless a lot of people and be praying for today, five o'clock, as the backpacks continue to go out and as people hear the gospel. Uh, and just be encouraged that the Lord is using you, your generosity, your life, your time, your efforts to make a real impact in our community. Uh, finally, if you're here today and you're new, we'd love for you to fill out the Connect card on your seat. You can do that now. Also, there's a chalkboard outside uh, in the lobby, not outside the building, but outside in the lobby. Uh, you can pull off needs. So basically, we get tons of references throughout the week, like clothing, furniture, emergency needs, you know, whatever it might be. Um, those happen all the time. And so a lot of times, the Lighthouse leaders will know, we'll text you, we'll maybe get the word out that way. Staff will take care of it, whatever it might be, we take care of it. Um, but then we thought, we'd love to involve the whole congregation more often in these things because they happen so consistently. So whenever you leave on a Sunday and the very back next to the chalkboard, there's these little pull-offs that say furniture, clothes, whatever it might be. And if you think you can help supply that need that week, pull that off, uh, give it to the welcome desk. They'll take down your email and then we'll follow up with more personal information about where do they need to go? What's the situation as much as you need to know about the family? Uh, how can we uh, coordinate that? So just so you know, if you want to walk out of here and bless somebody this week, there's going to be a way to do that every time. And so we're asking you to join us in that. Uh, today we're in Mark chapter 8 as we continue our Who is Jesus series. Let me see if y'all remember anything. We're going to open to Mark chapter 8. Hey, let's go. All right, all right. That was okay. I was like a six and a half out of ten. Uh, so just remember, for those of you who are like, I, this is my first time at this church. These people are crazy. We are crazy, no doubt, no doubt. Crazy for Jesus. Um, I met this kid, and basically when I was preaching sermons at a youth camp, he would just yell, let's go, every time I opened the Bible. And I thought, what a great way to start off a sermon. Let's try it again. We're going to open the Bible. Let's go. Okay, all right. Yes, yes, we are excited. The Lord is going to speak. He's going to work and move in our lives. And so, and just as a reminder for those of you who maybe grew up in certain church cultures, uh, it's very biblical to shout in church, okay? Very biblical. There's lots of shouting in the Bible. As a matter of fact, many of you, if you went to a Bible worship service, would be very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Like, I don't even know what to do. All these people doing crazy things. So, uh, a worship service in these times, okay? Obviously, we're running Bible worship services now, according to the Bible. And so just a reminder, you can shout. You can shout in the sermon. You can shout in worship. You can shout, okay? And this is part of what Christians do because Jesus saved us from hell. 
Oh my goodness. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty excited about that. Okay. We're pretty excited about that. That's something to shout about. All right. So, uh, praise the Lord for that. So today we're going to be in Mark chapter eight. We're not only going to look at who is Jesus, but we're also going to look at what does he expect from us? What does he expect from me? As we've been saying throughout the series, especially to those of you who identify as Christ followers to own the mission of helping others learn more about Jesus. Clarifying the question, who is Jesus, is not just the job of a church service or a pastor, but is the job of every single person who calls themselves a Christ follower. One of the ways we have challenged you in that is to say one invitation and one spiritual conversation could lead towards life transformation. And so during this series, make it your goal to make one intentional invitation. Invitation to church, invitation to a Bible study, invitation to, to a more time together talking about Jesus, whatever it might be, and to make it your aim to have one spiritual conversation with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Have you done that? Have you been able to be faithful in that? Just a reminder. And if you do those two things, remember, Jesus does the heavy lifting, okay? You can save nobody. It's not on you to do that. But Jesus does the work of transformation. So if you do invitation, conversation, Jesus does transformation. And this is what we're after for all of us to be the light of the world in our neighborhoods and wherever we are. If you're here today and you are not a Christ follower and you're still looking and seeking into it, so glad that you're here, so glad that you're sticking with us as we try to open the Bible and explain who Jesus really is. I hope you see today who he is, but I also hope you see what he's asking of you. Maybe you've been listening online or watching with a friend or coming for the last seven weeks, and now you have a pretty good picture of who Jesus really is. I'm going to ask you today to finally make a decision to respond to him. So look at Mark chapter 8. Let's see what Jesus has to say about who he is and what we should do about it. Mark chapter 8, 34 through 38 says this, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. So these two very simple words are the words Jesus is talking about today. These words are follow me. Follow me. Now, one of the things you must understand and continue to see as we've been talking about every week is when Jesus speaks, he talks like a crazy person. You have to address and deal with this. Nobody, no reasonable, nice teacher guy, no Gandhi-type figure looks at an entire crowd and says, take up your torture device and follow me. A reasonable, nice guy doesn't do that. A teacher that has come to give good advice about how to live doesn't do that. As we have said time and time again, Jesus is extreme, and your response to him must be extreme by necessity. As C.S. Lewis says, he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. That's it. I hope that's just getting to you because culture and the world loves nice teacher Jesus. That's acceptable to everyone, a Jesus that gives good ideas and helps you live a nice moral life and be a good person. Nobody has a problem with that Jesus, but that's not Jesus. Jesus here, as is revealed time and time again, is God in the flesh. Look what he says when the Son of Man, talking about himself, comes again in glory with all of his angels. Right? Nice teacher people don't talk like that. 
They don't. And time and time again, Jesus gives no room for you to accept him as a nice guy, for you to accept him as a teacher with good advice. He demands that you either submit to him as Lord or you call him a lunatic. We got to see this is the option that Jesus leaves for us. And so our response to him should be extreme because his words that he says to us are extreme. And I could say this time and time again, and okay, ho-hum, that's cool. Just like regular response to Jesus is absolutely unacceptable, and it's not dealing with reality. So he comes, he says, take up your cross and follow me, and I'm going to come again from heaven surrounded by holy angels. And nice, regular teacher people do not say things like that. But God does. So here's the purpose of Jesus. We've been touching on this time and time again. I want to clarify and by saying it different ways. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus did not come to lay down the rules and say, follow them. He came to lay down his life and say, follow me. This is the point of Jesus coming, not to lay down the rules and say, follow them, but to lay down his life and say, follow me. Now, as we have affirmed time and time again, uh, coming to church, living the lifestyle that Jesus demands us to live is absolutely essential. It is so important that we do these things. But the goal of doing any of those things is unto him, it's to follow him, right? I come to church not to be a good Christian, to follow Jesus, Right? I live according to his commands to follow him. It's unto him. My goal in life is to follow Jesus. And Jesus did not come to lay down the rules and say follow them. Because as we have learned, we cannot. We simply are not able to. Jesus came to lay down his life and say follow me. So to be a Christian is very simple. It means to follow Jesus. What he says, I do. Where he leads, I go. I trust him and I love him. It's not complicated. We make it super complicated. It's following Jesus. Now, for some of you who identify as Christians today, is this the simplicity of your walk with him? Is your Christianity defined by going to church and being a nice person and avoiding bad sins or by fixing your eyes on and following Jesus? This is what Jesus is calling you to, and some of you, Jesus is calling you back to this. You thought he said, come and follow these rules, and now all your attention is on the rules and the practices and the outward things you can do to be a Christian, but you have not put your attention on him. And Jesus says he came to say, follow me. And so this is a sermon for everyone. For those of you who are on the outside of Christianity trying to figure out what, whether you want to be a part of this, it's not to become a Christian, it's to follow Jesus. To those of you who are in Christianity and identify as Christ followers, is that what you are doing? Are you actually following him, listening to him, learning from him, loving him? You know, it'd be really wild to say you follow Jesus, but then you never read your Bible. How can you follow someone you don't listen to? You see what I'm saying? When being a nice person is your Christianity, then you can do that without reading the Bible. When following Jesus is your Christianity, you cannot do that without reading the Bible, right? When being a nice person is your Christianity and going to church, you can do that without prayer. When following Jesus is the form of Christianity, then you must pray. You see what I'm saying? This is where we're after, and this is what so many of us need to come back to, is to say the goal is to follow him, is to love him, is to listen to him, is to talk to him. 
This is what is real Christianity, and this is what the Lord is calling many of us into today for the first time and many of us back to. Now, here's something you must understand. Every single one of us is following someone or something. And so a quick word to those of you who are hesitant to follow Jesus or might be thinking, I already, I'm not, I'm not sure about this whole following someone idea. I want to do what I want to do. Well, I just want to tell you right now, nobody does that. You're fooling yourself if you think you just do what you want to do. You have been lied to. Everyone is a follower. You are following someone, maybe a religious leader. It could be a way of life that you have been taught by someone else. It could simply be what the world says is good or bad. And you say, I'm going to follow everything the world says. But not a single one of you and no human in the world simply does whatever they think they should do without any reference point to being taught by someone else. Do you understand this? You are a follower, whether you like it or not. That's what we do, we follow. And so the question isn't, do you wanna follow someone? You already are. The question is, is the person you're following gonna lead you to the best place? That's the question. So let's get the question off the table. Do I wanna follow someone or do I wanna live my own life? Nobody lives their own life, nobody. Okay, you didn't grow up in a bubble all by yourself and just think your own thoughts. You're following what the world is saying. You're following what somebody invested in you. You're following what your parents are saying. You're following what the religious are You're following somebody. So the question isn't, do you want to follow someone or live your own life? The question is, who are you following and are they leading you into the best place? That's all. And you got to shift where you're asking that question. Who are you following? Or are they leading you into the best place? So to help you understand this, I... A few weeks ago, I remember I was speaking at this, this youth camp, and there was a bunch of junior hires there, and so they did all these crazy things with junior hires, because that's what people do with 11 and 12-year-olds, all these stupid games. So one of these games I was outside for, and I saw them doing, was they would have teams of two, and they would put a blindfold on one, and then the other person would be the guide, and the, per- the guide had to lead the blindfolded person through an obstacle course. Now, this was hilarious to watch, because there's several different types of people in the world. There's nice ones and there's bad ones, okay? And so, no, just kidding. But there are people who, are like me, just would love to just mess with their friends the whole time, you know? So you could just see it and they'd be like, okay, go left. The person would be like, boom, you know? And they'd, they would just be laughing the whole time, you know? Like walk over here and they would trip. It was just like, they just tormented their friend for 20 minutes. And there was those people. Then there was a group of people that were like uh, trying to get it just right. They were really anxious and they were really worried and afraid, you know, they wanted to do it just right. All the rule followers, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. There was just a variety of group of people. There are some people that are just really bad at giving directions. You know these people. You know these people. You don't ask them where to go. You don't ask them really anything in life. They just, they just are bad at giving directions. They're good in their heart. They have good thoughts. They just can't get it out in the right way. So they mean left. They, 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 they tell you to go right. They mean backwards. They tell you to go. They don't explain the thing you're about to run into very well, and everybody's confused. And so there are those type of people, uh, and there's a variety of different people. Now, the experience of the blindfolded person was completely determined by the guide. Completely. However, their way went was completely determined by the person leading them, and I want you to know the same is true for your life. We are all like the blindfolded person walking through life, and we're getting words and hints and directions from someone or something. And the question isn't whether you are going to move forward in life. The question is whether you're going to move in the right direction. 
And so the Lord wants to be your lead, your guide. And so here's what I want you to understand about following Jesus, is that Jesus is now offering to be your savior, yes, and to also be your leader, your guide in life. And this is what I want to present to you this morning. And so before we look at what Jesus asked of you to take up your cross, I want you to look at uh, why he would do that. So Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. This is super intense. He's basically saying, be willing to suffer, be willing to lay down your whole life, to give up everything and to follow me. Now, why would he say something like that? Here's what you must understand. Verse 35, let's get at Jesus' motivation. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Here's what you must understand about Jesus. When he says, follow me, he is the guide that has your best interest in mind. He is the guy that has your best interest in mind. He's not the one messing with you, trying to be like, oh, he's not the one anxious and unconfident about what to say. He's not the one that can't give clear directions. He's not the one that has a bad interest in mind for you. He is the guy that has your best interest in mind. When he tells you to lose your life, his goal is that you would save it. So you say, what is Jesus all about here? What is his intent towards me? His intent towards you, Jesus' end goal is to save your life. That's what he said. He said, I want to save your life. So when Jesus tells you you're doing something you ought not to be doing, don't be like, oh, Jesus. He wants to save your life. When he lays down his life, it's to save your life. When he tells you to live a certain way, it's not just because or because I tell you so. His goal always with you is to save your life. You got to read the Bible with that. Whatever it says, Jesus wants to save my life. Whatever he asks of me, the end goal is that he would save my life. Jesus has your best interest in mind. Now, you must ask the question, does the other people you follow have your best interest in mind? Have you even considered, when you do whatever the world thinks you should do, do you really think that they have your best interest in mind? Have you asked the question, where is this path leading me? Why do certain people want me to live a certain way? What is the end goal? What do they have in mind? Have you stopped to consider everything the world tells you about what is good or right? What do they have in mind for me? What is their intent? Jesus' intent is to have your best interest in mind. You have to understand this about him. His goal is to save your life. But here's what Jesus knows. The pathway to eternal life, to saving your life, is only through him. And to get him, you have to give up everything else. So now Jesus knows that if you love the world so much that you can't give it up, then you can't have him. And if you can't have him, then you can't have life. You see what he's saying? So why would you hold on to this? He's saying you got to let that go because you need me. And if you don't have me, then you don't have eternal life. But to get me, you have to let go of everything else. And so he says, just lay your life down. Count it as a loss. Take up your cross and follow me because you must lose it in order to gain it. This is what Jesus is after for you and for me. This must make sense to us. And I wonder, so many of you, you love the world so much and it's keeping you from truly following Jesus. You must know that Jesus did not come to give you another option or another way to add to your list of ways to be another religious preference or another God on your mantle. Jesus came and he said, it's me or nothing. 
You cannot add him to your life. He's the substitute. He's everything. And so he comes and he says, if you love the world so much that you can't give it up, then you can't have me. And if you can't have me, then you can't have eternal life. This is the seriousness of the matter. And so what is Jesus after when he says, give up your life, take up your cross and follow me? Well, he's saying what you get in return is me. And when you get Jesus, you get everything. But if you hold on to these things, you're only fooling yourself. Look at verse 36. What a verse. Many of you probably have this memorized. You should. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? See, what Jesus is teaching us is that the value of your soul has no comparison. Nothing can be exchanged for your soul. And you and I know this. We've seen people with all the money in the world who would gladly trade that to get rid of the disease that's killing them. When we're faced with whether we can keep living or whether we can keep all our stuff, what do people choose? They would gladly, gladly get rid of everything that they have to keep their life. Now, how much more so is that true for your soul? If you would give up everything you had to keep your physical life, then how much more so should you give up everything you have to keep your eternal life? Jesus is helping you see now that your soul has has incomparable value. It is precious. It is something that must be cared for, something that must uh, be delivered and set free by his name. And so now Jesus is helping you see Yes, it costs a lot to follow Jesus, but it costs a lot more not to. You see what he's saying? Follow me, it'll cost you your life. Don't follow me, it'll cost you your eternal life. You may be saying, and some of you may be saying, it costs so much to follow him. I have to give up my way of life. I have to give up the things that I want to do. I can't live the way that I want to live anymore. And I've talked to many that say, I'm just not ready to give that up. And what you must understand is, yes, it costs something to follow Jesus, but it costs a lot more to not follow him. It's going to cost you your soul to not follow him. It's going to cost you an eternity of pain to not follow him. And so you see what he's presenting us with now. Everybody has two options. You can lay down everything now and get Jesus in return, or you can die and have it all taken away from you anyways and not have Jesus. You see what he's saying? He's just saying, listen, listen, I know what the other side is like. I know what the standard of God is. I know what's expected of you when you die. I know what heaven and hell are like. And here's what's going to happen. You can lay it all down now and get me, or you can die and lose it all anyways and then be separated from God forever. You see what he's saying? He's after your best interest. So why not lay it down now? Why would you hold on to something you're going to lose anyways? And then to stand before God and have no answer for your sins and have no salvation from Jesus and to be left alone under God's judgment? This is the other option. It's I lose everything now for him and I get eternal life or hold on to everything now. I lose it anyways and I get eternal pain and suffering. You see what he's saying? He's after your best interest in mind. Jesus knows exactly what's expected of you, and he knows what it's going to cost you to not willingly lay it all down. It'll cost you a lot to follow Jesus. It'll cost you your life, but it'll cost you a heck of a lot more not to follow him. It'll cost you your eternal life. Jesus has your best interest in mind. 
Every time he says something, your best interest is in mind. Every time he corrects and rebukes you, your best interest in mind. Every time he confronts the way that you're living, your best interest in mind. Every time he tells you to stop doing something that brings you pleasure on this earth, your best interest is in mind. Every time you read the Bible, your best interest in mind, you have to know and believe this about Jesus. He wants to save your life. It is the world that wants to take your life. It is the devil in the flesh that wants to take your life. Jesus' intent is to save your life. So now, with that in mind, he says, take up your cross. When we understand what Jesus wants to do, and we understand his intent as his guide, not only does our guide have our best interest, but our guide is honest about what it will cost up front. There is no fine print. There is no manipulation or deception from the beginning. He's clear to say, you can follow me and I will happily give you eternal life, but it'll cost you your life right now. Take up your cross. This is very important for us. This is not a metaphor. This is a metaphor for us because we've never seen that happen. But when he's saying it to people there, people hanging on a cross for regular people to see was a normal thing. Why? Because the Romans did that to suppress rebellion. So every time somebody tried to rebel or did anything bad, they would hang them to a cross and just put them out there for everyone to see. And so now when Jesus says, take up your cross, there might even likely be one around. And he's saying, you have to be willing to do that for me. It's not a metaphor. It's a metaphor to us because we don't see it. It's not a metaphor to them to say, you have to be willing to literally, literally lay down your life for me. This is what he is calling and demanding from them. That is the extent, and it's nothing less than that. To take up your cross is to completely, completely, completely surrender any claim over your own life. And is to wholly, with everything you have, follow him. To take up your cross is to count everything else as lost. If you want to write something down, to take up your cross is to count everything else as loss. To follow him is to forsake everything else. This is what Jesus is asking of you. And once again, it is hard and it certainly costs you something. But like we said, he has your best interest in mind and it will cost you a lot more not to follow him. So Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And this is what he's asking for many of you in this room this morning. Maybe some of you for the first time, maybe some of you as a re-up to say, this is what I'm supposed to live as a Christian, but I'm not. And I choose today to lay it all down. I want to close by giving you an example from the life of Paul. He wrote to us in Galatians um, this, Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. What does it mean to take up your cross? It means Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Not I am willing to be crucified with Christ. Not I will be crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I am dead and gone. And then he says, it is no longer I who live. Oh, this is what Jesus is calling you into this morning. It is no longer I who live. This, this text has been just wrecking me all week. And I've, I've learned and I've come to realize that many of my frustrations or discouragements in life are simply because I still think I'm living my life. I get frustrated about how things are going because I still think it's my life. 
I get discouraged because that's nothing in my life. And I have found so much freedom, again, in releasing to Jesus to say, I am dead. My life is gone. It's gone. It's yours completely. It is no longer I who live. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means to say that with all your heart. Oh, it is no longer I who live. Can you say that today and mean it? It is no longer I who live. It is no longer my plans that direct my life, but his. It is no longer my preferences that get prioritized, but his. It is no longer my dreams that get fulfilled, but his. It is no longer my desires that get pursued, but his. It is no longer my resources that get used, but his. It is no longer my will that gets done, but his. This is what God is calling you into when he says, follow me. It's not 98% God and 2% you. No, no, no. It's 100% God and 0% you. It is no longer I who live. No longer I who live. Can you say that? It is no longer I who live. This is what Jesus is calling you into when he says, follow me. And maybe sometimes you're so frustrated and discouraged because you're still holding on to your life as if it's your life, as if it's your priorities that should get pursued, as if it's your will that needs to be done, as if when things frustrate you, it's because they're not going your way. But to be a Christian and a Christ follower is to say, it is no longer I who live. It's a complete surrender. And here's the good news. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Oh, this is good news because I have made a trade. If I asked you, would you trade your little house for LeBron James' big house? You'd say, yeah, sure. If I asked you, would you trade your little bank account for Bill Gates' big bank account? Yeah, sure. If I asked you, would you trade your intellect for someone far superior? Yeah, sure. Would you you trade your strength for someone much stronger? Yeah, sure. And now Jesus is saying, why don't you trade your little life for my big life? Why don't you trade your little joy for my fulfilling joy? Why don't you trade your little purpose for my great grand purpose? Why don't you trade your little satisfaction for my eternal satisfaction? You see what he's saying now? It's no longer I who live. That sounds painful, but it's a gift. Because when you get rid of your life, you get his life. And how much better is his life than your life? And this is what the gospel means, that when you come to meet God, he sees his life, not your life. When you stand before God, he doesn't judge you according to your sins in your life. He judges you according to Jesus in his perfect life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh that you can see, I live by faith in the Son of God. And this son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, the best guide is the one who has been there before. The best guide is the one who has done the very thing he's asking you to do. And this is Jesus. 
Jesus comes down from heaven, the very son of God, perfect, and he takes on flesh and he becomes a man just like you and me. And he lives a perfect life, but he understands what it's like to be you. He understands what it's like to be in pain. He understands what it's like to be alone. He understands what it's like to be stressed. He understands what it's like to have everyone against you. He understands what it's like to deal with the pains of our life. He understands what it's like to stub your toe. He understands what it's like to be you. He comes down and he doesn't say from afar, hey, do the right thing. He comes down and he becomes a man. And he lives a perfect life in your place, one that you can never live to please God. And then he dies on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised again. And the Bible says that if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. This is the real Jesus. And he is calling you into a relationship with him this morning. He says, come and lay down your life. But he says, I laid down my life for you first. He's not asking you to do something he wasn't willing to do. So are you following Jesus? Not are you coming to church, not do you give to church, not do you serve the poor, not do you volunteer in kids' ministry downstairs, not were you raised in a Christian home. Are you following Jesus? That's the question. You say, how do I know? Well, have you counted the cost? Have you paid the price? That's how you know. And to those of you who are here, Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him right now. You feel God telling you now's the time. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and Jesus comes this morning, and he says, as if he's looking you right in the eye, I love you, I have made you, I call you by name. Would you respond to his call this morning to believe and put your trust in him? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask all of you to stand up as we respond to the Lord now. And I want to leave the altar open, and I'm going to ask you, if you say, today's the day I want to follow Jesus, or today's the day when I realize that I need to re-up, and I need to fix my eyes on him again. I have gotten so distracted. I am following a church. I am following a way of life. I am following a religion, but I'm not following him. I'm gonna, the altar's open. We want to make this normal. You just come lay it down with Jesus, and you take a step, and you mark something today. When you say, today I'm going to lay down my life here, I'm going to leave it here, and I'm going to take up his life. And so that'll be open for you. We're going to sing. I'm just begging you to respond to Jesus in a real way that marks your life and your future. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to be what we can never be, to do what we can never do. We thank you that you have our best interest in mind. Oh, Lord, help us to believe it with all our heart. You called us today to take up our cross and to lay down everything to follow you. I pray that you would create a real spirit of surrender in this place, that you would defeat the work of the enemy to lie and say it's not worth it. I pray that every heart in this building, every heart watching online would release and surrender to you and that we would all follow you, God. 
We love you now. We respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.